Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, I have a very special guest. I have the one, the only, the oh-so-famous Mr. Squire Pettis in the house. Squire, what's up? <laughs> hey, man, how are you? How's everything going? It's good. It's good. I'm so glad we were able to connect again. You know, after our first round, I've really been looking forward to the second round, you know, because I don't get I don't get the opportunity to jam too often about after sales and service. So when I get the chance to do it, I'm totally looking forward to it. And we got some great topics that we're going to go over today. But hey, before we jump into those topics, I always like to kick off the podcast with a little origin story. Because I'm always super fascinated how people get get into this industry. So, Squire, what is the origin story of how you got started in the automotive industry? Um, I originally wanted to go into engineering. Um, I went to school for electronics engineering, uh, graduated there, and thought I was going to be one of those you know engineers that walks around with the white lab coat because that's what I thought that they did. <laughs> Um, had the opportunity to get a part-time job working at a tire repair shop and worked at a tire repair shop for a couple of years, uh, left there and then went to work at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, uh, went from, you know, rental car one location to the next and eventually got an opportunity to apply to um, Chrysler uh, through a veterans program, you know, because I was a military veteran mm -hmm. and I've got the automotive industry there and, and I've been there ever since. So, you know, I've, I've had a love for cars in the automobile industry. Um, I just never thought that I would get directly involved in it the way that I did, but I'm happy that, you know, the past crossed. Well, you know, it's definitely one of those industries that once it gets in your blood, it's really hard to get it out of your blood. And we're excited that you chose to stick around and be a part of this industry because I get to have all kinds of fun talking to you about everything service. So this oh, is yeah. going to be fun. Oh, yeah. Now, to kick off our conversation around service, uh, the first topic, I think, is just kind of the core foundation of everything, right? And it is the service department customer experience. And I don't think as an industry we've really kind of define like the benchmark of what this should be. It, it's so drastically different at every single dealership. And, and even for myself, I mean, I service my car almost monthly because that's how many miles I put on the vehicle. So, okay. you know, I, I service at a lot of different dealerships. You know, some people don't get to service their cars maybe once a year. I get to do it every single month. And there is a big difference out there, but I'd love to get your thoughts on how or what should be the benchmark when it comes to the customer experience. Well, I, I think the benchmark for the customer experience in the service department, you know, should be, and, and, and I'll say it starts when you purchase the vehicle. Um, mm -hmm. You know, nowadays things are going to go in a sequence and, you know, most manufacturers or most people, when you buy a product, you should know something about how to service it, how to maintain it, how to make sure that it's going to work properly for as many months or years as you want to keep it especially when, you know, you're paying these, you know, good amounts of money for these products. So the service department experience, I believe should start when you purchase a car, uh, the client should know what the interval is, you know, as far as how often you're going to service it, um, where to come service it in the store, um, as well as what location you prefer. Um, some 
opportunities you will have as to whether or not and we may talk about this later um, if you're going to service it meaning am i going to bring it to you as a client or are you going to come get it or is there a combination of the two sure um with this pen obviously with what's going on as far as COVID and the pandemic um is it easier or best for you to come get it from me um is there this thing called remote service where you service it um, at my home and you never even bring it out of away from my home. That oh, is I an like option. That. That's a good but the overall service experience that I think that, that, that I believe would be proper is just to make sure that the client has two things when they're coming involved with the service department. Thing number one is information. Mm-hmm. Um, what type of service your vehicle is going to need, what type of service it's going to take, where is it supposed to be serviced? When is it going to be serviced? And the second thing is options. Options as in um, what day or dates do you want to get it serviced? Um, if that involves sometimes weekends, and I know that sometimes it's a taboo topic at some dealerships. Um, secondly, as far as, right, right. It's uh, se- uh, separately, as far as the options, um, there are payment options. Payment options meaning, is it something that you're going to pay, pay for per visit? Mm-hmm. Or when you purchase the vehicle, because let's say you're getting involved in a lease or a long time purchase, or because you may want to save some money, do you want to prepay for the maintenance? Um, some OEMs, um, Alfa Romeo for one, I believe Genesis Motors is the next, and I think Cadillac and or Lincoln have what's called um, prepaid maintenance programs. Um, so when you purchase your vehicle and you're on a two, three, or four lease, do you have the opportunity to buy your maintenance up front? So yes. one of those options is we pay a little bit of extra money when we buy the car. You add that on to the car payments. But then when I bring the vehicle in or let's say you come get it for service, I need to give you maybe a $20 down payment or in some cases zero. And you service the vehicle, you change the oil, you will take the tires, you may change the spark plugs as necessary, put a cabin air filter in it and you give it back to me. And the only thing that I owe you is a smile and a complimentary good survey. Mm-hmm. I think I think all those so. things generate some pretty cool experiences, right? I mean, I, I I actually, you know, think that the prepaid maintenance packages does create that experience. So to me, it's kind of like um, for the longest time, I used Hertz everywhere I traveled. Anytime I went anywhere, I rented through Hertz. Uh, for the biggest reason, I, their app is actually really app, darn yep. good. You know, I, I, I could select the vehicle. I showed up. I didn't have to talk to anyone. I could literally right. just roll right up to the car. All right. Get right in it and just take off. I mean, it's just that that easy, you know. And, and so so I was connected because everything was prepaid. I didn't have to go in, wait in line with six other people, fill out some forms, give them my credit card. Like, it was all prepaid. I just had to get in the car and I had to go. And I think that that generates an experience. You know, um, I've been thinking a lot about the service experience. So I Focusing more on the keyword experience, right? Like, I, I don't think, like, some of the experiences that we have or that we buy into, you know, have necessarily been been translated over to the automotive industry. I have a crazy idea. I'm going to pass it by because I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, here we go. You know me. Sometimes I go squirrel. I'm like, woo, I'm going to go this way. Okay. Right. Um, <laughs> there we go. So I think that it would be cool if I could convince a dealership to build, like, a kind of like a first class like pod, you know, within the dealership and give the customer kind of that experience of sitting down kind of in their own space, kind of their own, their own TV, you know, bring out maybe like a drink and a 
pack of peanuts. I guess you don't do peanuts anymore. Pretzels. All right. Like right. really give it, you know, cause I think about like, like ultimately at the end of the day, like why do we pay for these first class tickets? Right. I've been traveling recently. So this is why it's been on my brain. Right. Like why do right. we pay for these first class tickets? Right. I mean, it's obviously cause we went a little more comfort, a little more room. <laughs> right. Right. And you know, a little, a little bit more service. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I can sometimes spend just as many hours in a service lounge as I can sometimes on these flights. Right. What do you think? Do you think we could build a little first class lounge? Um, I think that there are, I think that, you know, let's say COVID notwithstanding, I think that we would have gotten to that. Yeah. Um, if we did not have COVID because, you know, we, we, we had stores and we had dealerships that were building service lounges. They were putting the high class recliners in there. They were putting, um, not necessarily, you know, alcoholic beverage stations, but you know, they were putting pot machines in there. You had some stores that were putting, um, um, I can't, uh, the, the sherbet machines, the, the sherbet and and, and the frozen yogurt machines. Um, you know, you had some stores that were putting the big screen so that you can come in and you can watch the game or the rerun of the mm-hmm. game or have ESPN on or CNN or, or Fox news or whatever it is. And, and, and you had, um, um, there was a store in the Chicagoland area. I can't remember what it is, but they actually had a cafe, you know, where, in, yeah. you know, it, it, and it, and they serve, you know, um, they serve, uh, omelets and hash browns in the morning and they serve, um, breakfast sandwiches and they serve things of that nature. And then when you got your vehicle repaired, they'd give you a voucher to go get so many dollars of, 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 of things of that nature. And I think that obviously when COVID hit the opportunity to have any of those in dealership experiences went from, you know, went from hero to zero sure. because, you know, some stores were closed and then some stores didn't allow clients in the location and then everybody has to be six feet apart. So will we get back to that? That I'm not a hundred percent sure of. Um, so what, what, what the experience went from is it went from how much can we wow the customer yes. inside the store now to how much can we wow the customer without them physically coming here. Now That's with correct. travel is different uh-huh. because you've got to get on a plane to go someplace, right? We don't have a transporter room where we can beat you up. But as far as, um, as, as far as the service experience now, now what they're doing is they're saying, okay, your pod is your house. Yes. So we're going to come get the vehicle from you. We're going to take it away from you. We're going to do what we need to do with it, bring it back to you and allow the pod to be your house. Will we get back to the creme de la creme in dealership experience? That's probably going to depend on what happens with COVID and, and, and how we're able to interact with each other. Um, we'll, we'll probably get back to it because there's all this real estate that technically stores are not using and we're going to have to well, do something with it. Exactly. Right. I mean, I, I'm one of those people that I like to show up to like an airport, like a few hours early. Cause I'll spend that time in the lounge, catching up with emails, yep. get myself a little caught up before I, you know, jump on the flight. And you know, I, right. like I've been in a lot of service lounges and I gotta be honest with you. I'm really not overly impressed with them. Actually, I'll tell you my biggest beef as far as the entire customer service kind of, experience or the service experience and it does happen in the lounge this is my biggest 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 pet peeve is i will go sit down in the lounge wait for my vehicle to get serviced and they have the news on you know fox news or cnn right. up here cp24 or something like that and i don't know man i i, I turned off the news like like six months ago and i don't think i've ever right. turned it back on right because i gotta be honest with you, it's like the most depressing thing 
in the entire world. <laughs> like seriously, I mean, you'll sit there. You, you, you'll right. sit there for like an hour, right. right? And I'm like, I was sitting there for you know, sitting there for an hour, getting an oil change done, you know, and, and just for an hour straight. How horrible ever, how horrible the whole world right. is, how bad our economy is going to get, how just, I mean, it just, just an entire hour of that the guy comes out, goes, Hey, so, um, it looks like we're getting a little close on the brake pads. Should we get them done? I said, you know, I mean, the world's ending. I don't sure. Go ahead. Right. <laughs> like, you know, I know that, <laughs> I know that sounds funny. Right. But, but it's true though. Like, right. you know, atmosphere is a big deal. So here's one of the things I do every time I go to a service launch, I change it to the cooking network. I just change the channel. I grab the remote. I don't even ask. I'll change it to the cooking channel. I don't put sports on. Uh, reason for that is again because you know sports is like religion for some people. So that <laughs> that can be that can be a whole other thing. But just something neutral. But anyways, I thought I'd bring that up. But you do bring up the, a good um, point yeah. of around the valet and pickup services because I'd like like. Do you really think we need this? On a long term basis, it's hard to say. And the reason I say that it's, um, it, it's hard to say on a long-term basis is because obviously um, one of my business mentors said uh, for me, we were in a conference in um, 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 Kentucky. He said to me, he said that this pandemic has brought out the best of the best, but it has also created some extremely bad habits. Ah, that's true. And normally in and normally in our automotive industry, whenever we have a downturn in X, we create some very bad habits. And I'll give you, you know, uh, uh, an example in an entirely different spectrum in, 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 in pandemics creating extremely bad habits. Um, there is a post, and I'm not going to say who, put it out there, but it was, it's been floated in on all of the channels, mm -hmm. the Facebook, Instagram, you know, we have one on LinkedIn and I'm going to say it. And, you know, those of us that are in the industry, you can, you know, you can say what you want in the comment section or the chat section about it. So it's about the aforementioned dealer market adjustment on vehicle pricing. Oh, Jesus. So that's so, 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 so I'm going to say it, right. I mean, I'm, I'm going to bring it out there. Right. So there is a, Ford Bronco. And, you know, like I said, I'm not going to say what dealership it is, but there's a Ford Bronco MSRP on the vehicle is about 62 grand. And it shows a market adjustment of, I think like another 50 or 60 grand for like a total MSRP of like $120,000 or something like this. Right. So down in the comment section, it says, you know, would you buy this? Yes or no. Give me your thoughts, so on and so forth. And there's way a bunch of different comments about the whole thing. If you sign this, you're insane. If you buy this, you're not. Let the buyer beware. This is a capitalistic society. Everyone can do what they're supposed to do. And 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 I chimed in and, and I said, look, I said, I'm fully aware that MSRP is a manufacturer's suggested price. It's not the demanded price. It's not the minimum price. It's not the maximum price. It's a suggested price. Does the dealer, does the retailer in a capital world have the ability to make amends and changes to the product. Yes. Sure. Because if you sell a warranty on the product, right. If you sell a $3,000 warranty on, on the vehicle, it raised the price from 62 to 65. If you sell a um, accessory package on a vehicle, let's say you do a lift kit or something like that in the SUV and it's another six grand. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. But my overall thought process and my overall belief was that if you're going to raise the price of the vehicle, there's going to have to be some sort of value statement put in that so that we know what value that you're receiving for your money. Good point. I like now, that. 
that's that's my comment. That's my belief. That doesn't have to be your belief or anybody else's belief. That's just my belief as far as what I think that any customer experience should be about. So going back to the whole concept of do we need and do we have to have service valet? Um, service valet is going to cost a retailer something. Yes. It's going to cost you to get a person or two or three to move these vehicles back and forth. It's going to cost you some additional money in insurance because you have to make sure that these vehicles are going to be taken care of. It's going to cost you some additional time because that's what you have to do as far as servicing cars. No one's coming to you. Um, it's going to cost you some additional resources because you have to have somebody booking a schedule if it's on X time or if it's on CDK or if it's on whatever sort of platform that you're using. The, 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 the FCA Chrysler Stellantis Y advisor is another mm -hmm. program that is well-versed in these things, right? So it's going to cost you something to implement these programs. And originally the cost of that was either you do it or customers are not coming to you because of health reasons or sickness reasons and your service department was dead. So that was the cost. It was the, it was the, 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 the FOMO, the fear of missing out. And so now the, the thought process is, can you change that FOMO fear of missing out or uh, to what we call FOGO fear of getting over? Meaning, are you going to be able to get those dollars and that money that you are needing to get in order to survive? So, you know, it, it, it was a long roundabout way to, to actually mention it. But the comment of do we need service valet, the answer to that in the immediate question is yes. It is the same reason we need video advertisement on vehicles and video walkarounds because not everybody's going to travel from store to store to store to look at a product. Yes. Um, long term, are we going to need it? The answer is probably going to be it depends on what the customers overall want. Um, and it depends on whether or not we in the industry do a good enough job to make that a mainstay, or do we do it just good enough to get by? And then once the pandemic's over, then we just open up our express lanes and everybody drives in again. No, I actually think that you brought up some great points there. I mean, if, if you are gonna charge more, all right, I don't think it's, I think it's okay to charge more. I really do. Right. Um, to a certain extent, to a certain extent. Right. <laughs> you know, right. The, the, the Bronco example, horrible example. Right. I mean, yeah, come on, guys. We're, we're in the business of sell cars so we can service them and we can maintain that relationship and continue to sell them vehicles over the course of their lifetime. All right. Um, I, th that customer would be so upside down in that vehicle. Um, mm -hmm. They would never, never want to do business with us ever, ever again. Congratulations. They made a lot of money on a single transaction. But this is a this is a marathon. This isn't a, this isn't a race. Uh, but but I am with you that I think you can, uh, and and I think customers will charge uh, more for service. I know because I have. All right, for a while there, uh, my local dealership was offering a, a valet pickup, and it was a thirty nine ninety nine additional charge. Okay, and I was like, for me, yeah, that's that's right. Sure, I can forty bucks. I will get that back in productivity right. super fast. Right. Um, so, and, and unfortunately they've actually stopped doing it, you know, and I, cause, okay. cause I think what it was is that they weren't being consistent in their offering. So okay. therefore they were sometimes doing it, not doing it, but I, I, I I'm, I'm with you. I think there's an opportunity uh, to provide that higher level valet pickup service, but it should be a chart. It should be a chargeable thing. Uh, can it be an upfront charge? Uh, 
with the transaction of the vehicle. Sure, that accounts for some interesting accounting, like this is my controller brain now kicking in and you know right. maintaining those type of slush funds where that money goes and gets allocated and it just keeps building up, building up, building up. And eventually you got to do something with it because otherwise then you're paying corporate taxes on it. Um, right. <laughs> sometimes. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why I love the idea of charging it out, uh, you know, in a small additional fee on the service side. But however you decide to do it, you know, I, I think what it is is that you actually have to build a process first because, you know, Squire, we've talked about this before, right? A good idea is only as good as how well we can execute it. And oh, yeah. I think everybody had this this good idea of valet and pickup service, but only a handful of people actually executed it well to the point where it was built in. It was it was a built in process within the dealership with a real trackable KPIs, so they could actually understand what the ROI was on providing this type of service. Don't you agree? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Now this is actually a great segue to our, into our next topic around maintenance sales during the pandemic, because. Like, I'm, I don't know about you, man, but I'm getting like a 50-50 here, right? Like, I'm getting some oh, yeah. some dealers that are like, customers won't spend anything. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And then, but then I'm getting other dealers that are like, customers are doing whatever we ask them to. And it, it, it's interesting that it's such a, a mixed bag. But I'd love to get your thoughts on maintenance sales during the pandemic. Well, one of the things that began to... Um, you know, to pique my interest with maintenance sales during the pandemic. So, you know, my, my, my wife is in the healthcare industry. So um, when we quote unquote stopped working, right, we didn't go and visit stores and, and we did everything over the interwebs as they call them. There were still those individuals that got up and went to the hospital and got up, went to the police station, got up, went to the fire station, and got up and went to the restaurants and got up and went to Menards and Home Depot and all of the stores that were open every day. And so although most of us got the opportunity to sit on, you know, these nice comfortable chairs that we're sitting on and talk to each other via headphones and headsets and everything became a www.loginhere.com <laughs> ordeal, there was still a variety of us. And I can't remember what the actual numbers were, but there was a percentage of us that still had to get up and ring the bell and punch that clock and make sure that everything was done. So one of the things that I started to see from some stores, and it was primarily during the domestic, in the, in the domestic dealer world, was that they were rewarding the first responders. And so you would, so you would see, you know, you would see um, half price oil changes for nurses day, or, you know, we'd have, um, you know, doctor car wash day or something like that. So what ended up happening was I started to see and realize that there's still clients that are going to drive their vehicles. The overall mileage driven, I think, decreased by you know 25 or 30% during the pandemic. But we still had those individuals that are still going to need to ring that bell and take that vehicle in to get serviced. So I think one of the, 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 the important things about maintenance sales during the pandemic is how we go about doing it. Because as you said earlier, there are those clients that they had their jobs cut, eliminated, whatever you would like to call it. So they did not have the ability to make the money to spend on maintenance. Now, some of them were driving, but some of them were driving and still didn't have money. That's a different story. Mm -hmm. And you had some of them that because they were driving extra, you know, you had some, um, there were some nurses that, you know, they got the opportunity to work at multiple hospitals. You, know, you work at this hospital full time and you go work at this hospital on a part-time basis and you get the opportunity to work at two hospitals. So you get two paychecks, but then you'd be driving twice as much. So when those individuals would take their vehicle in for service, they'd say, Hey, do what it takes. 
make sure my car runs because my car is what makes me money. Um, interesting enough, the Uber Eats, DoorDash drivers, those individuals are because now technically since the restaurants aren't open, we're bringing the food to you. You know, so whenever you see the Marshawn Lynch's and the Des Bryant's and everybody's saying tonight, I'll be eating. Well, somebody brings you the food. <laughs> so those individuals, right, that are driving the cars and bringing you the food, those are the individuals that are now the ones that need to have their vehicle serviced. Um, uh, uh, people that drive Uber and Lyft, you know, because if you don't want to drive your own car, let's say you don't have enough money to pay for maintenance of gas in your own car. But I'll spend five, six, ten dollars to get an Uber and Lyft to go wherever it is I need to go and come back. So that's why I believe maintenance sales in a pandemic are extremely important. Um, another industry which is entirely different, you know, the trucking industry. Those guys and girls have not stopped bringing products to Walmart and Home Depot and your Kroger stores and all of your Save Marts or Save a Lot. So, you know totally different industry. But if you think about it, those are the people that are still being on the road and driving. So maintenance sales during the pandemic is something that it is on a 50, 50 double-edged sword because you have those that do not work, do not operate their vehicles and, you know, don't take their kids to school because everybody's in school via remote that do not and may not get service. But then you have the other end of the spectrum that are doing more driving and more traveling because some of us cannot and will not. And those individuals are the ones that are going to reap the benefits of how we go about filling the service drives and making sure that we as an organization are still keeping our vehicles maintained. I'm I'm with you 100%. I think that, you know, with maintaining maintenance cells during the pandemic, like at the end of the day, it's a strategy. Like, and and, and it's actually not just one, right? To your point, I mean, you brought up three or four, you know, different strategies that people have been executing. And I've seen, I've seen many other examples of that. I mean, even the valet service we're talking about, again, it's, it's another strategy. I just don't think that there is an excuse for not, uh, for not putting the effort in. Right. I mean, look, there was before the pandemic. All right. If our doors were open, they were coming to us. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. And and that, that may not be the case anymore, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't attempt to connect. And there has to be a, a stra- there has to be a strategy in place. We're actually finding up where we are that maintenance is high right now, uh, simply mm-hmm. because traveling here in Canada is actually a very difficult thing to do. So, or flying in Canada is a very difficult thing to okay. do. So, so, so driving your vehicle locally right. and doing these, you know, small local trips or day trips or weekend trips or, you know, it, it's become incredibly popular. So the vehicle is actually an incredibly important uh, for them right now and maintaining it is, is that case. I think what it is is that if we don't have the conversation with our customers and we don't ever get that opportunity – you know, I'm still the person that will, you know, even when my vehicle's sitting, it sits too long. I'm still going to get the vehicle serviced. You know, like right. I rely on my right. vehicle, like seriously rely on that vehicle. If it doesn't operate for me, it can cost me a significant amount of money. So, you know, but I, I think it's important that every dealership out there, um, it's not it's not status quo anymore. All right. You know, it's like right. grind a little bit, dig a little deeper, make sure those strategies are in place. You know, speaking of strategies and that's uh, you know, that kind of goes into our next topic, which is a cool one. And I like the, I like the one that you picked here because um, you know uh, why the service department should always have technicians waiting on the bench, waiting on the bench. You know, this, this is a cool topic. So I'm super curious to see where you go because most people don't 
go that direction, but I love to get your thoughts on this. Why do you think at a service department, we should have people waiting on the bench? So um, I'll give you three different scenarios. Um, the automotive scenario is, is, is a simple scenario because obviously, you know, we are car dealers. So in this particular standpoint, um, technically you always want to have clients waiting at the bench, right? If you've got cars outside to sell, you always want to have a pipeline of customers in your CRM tool that you can call up, that you can move in and out of deals so that there is a process flow to selling a car. No one wants to sell one car in one month. Um, you know, unless you're like, you know, unless you get like a Bentley dealership or something like that, you need to sell two. Right? Mm-hmm. But, but, but I mean, a traditional store, if you're going to sell five, 10, 15 cars a month, and even if that, 20 is, you know, a lot less than where it is now. We'll talk about inventory in that scenario in a different, you know, segue. But you always want to have clients waiting in the wings to come look at this car. I just got this car off the truck. Well, hey, let's get it prepped and ready so that someone can come in and take a look at it. If it's a white Alfa Romeo Julia or if it's a BMW or if it's a black, you know, Ford Focus or whatever it is. But what ends up happening in, in the service department is, we're starting to see, and, and it is a combination of a variety of things. Um, thing number one, going back to, we talked about maintenance sales during the pandemic and not as many clients being able to um, bring their vehicles in for service. Um, if service counts are low, just like if sales counts are low, you don't need the same amount of sales consultants and or managers, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. When your service department hours get low, your technicians, which are paid by the hour, are going to start to feel the pain of not being able to get paid as much. And they may decide maybe I'm going to stay with this dealership. Maybe I'm not. But what we fail to realize from a manufacturer dealership, or even just a basic, you know, service department perspective is that these technicians that work on these vehicles are and have to be trained. They're going to take some training classes. They're going to be given some instruction as to what they need to do to make sure that your vehicle is serviced properly, going back to the customer experience. And when you take on average, you know, six, nine, 12 months to get a technician fully trained, certified, whatever you'd like to call it at Stellantis, we call it level three or fully certified. Um, It takes some time. So if this individual now leaves your organization, you now have a hole as to when you can get another individual up running and trained. It's, it's, it's not like you can just fill someone in that is untrained immediately Good point. and have them take over for someone who is. So, so that's from an automotive standpoint. Um, secondly, I mean, if you take, you know, I'm a sports guy, right? I mean, I, I love football from Chicago. I love Chicago bears, even though they're not doing so well as far as that is concerned. But I mean, if you take any sports team, any NFL football team, any baseball team, um, I mean, soccer, whatever you like to call it. If you have that star individual, that star quarterback, that star running back, that, that, that star pitcher, that star striker, you know, that star goalie in, in hockey. And, you know, this guy's, you know, this, this, this guy's, you know, I'll, I'll, use hockey. This guy's in the pipes and he's just stopping everything that's coming his way. You know, 80 shots on goal and he's letting maybe one get through a night. So that's a guy you want to keep. And all of a sudden, you know, something crazy happened. He goes into, he goes into a restaurant, he has a bad steak and he gets a stomach flu and he's out for two weeks. 
if you don't have a goalie waiting in the wings to step in the pipes and take over, or you put this guy in, in, in the pipes and, and, and he can't stop anything, you're instantly going from being able to shut opponents out to now you have to struggle to, you know, to score five, six, seven goals a night because this guy, you know, this guy's like Swiss cheese in the pipes. So why, why do you always have to have technicians or bench players waiting in the wings is because as a professional organization, dealing with customer experience, we're quote unquote required to keep that high level of service. Mm-hmm. So if we don't have someone to back up the individual and yes, sometimes there's budget constraints and we can't get everybody trained, but if we're still required to have a level of service here, you know, if we're the top, you know, if, if we're the Canadians or the Red Wings or the Blackhawks or whatever it is, and we, we want to make it to the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup, we've got to have our top-notch players waiting in the wings and technicians in the service department. Those are those individuals. Those are the star quarterbacks that are able to slice and die for defense. Those are the star forwards that's able to make sure exactly. that they can find the guy that's open to always make sure that the, that, 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 that the shot is available. Those are those um, receivers that is going to go up and make sure that the ball is caught every time it's thrown to them. Those are the pitchers that, you know, you, when you look at the relief pitcher, or you look at your ace and you say, look, we need this night from you, right? We, we, we need 17 strikeouts and, <laughs> and, and, and maybe one run scored. So when you lose that individual, and you see this in all sports. Oh, star all quarterback goes down and a right. Star quarterback goes down and backup can't get it done. Well, if the backup's not the star quarterback, we understand that. But if you don't have a comparable backup, you go from being hero to zero quick. So that's why you need to have technicians waiting in the wings. You want to have someone that you can groom to be what um, some of the coaches call the next man or woman up. Exactly. In order to make sure that they're doing that sort of thing. I mean, I'm a Chicago sports fan and I mean, in, in the good old days, right? I mean, there, there was the days with Michael Jordan and then Michael <laughs> Jordan retired and then you didn't win. And then Michael Jordan came back and you won again, or, or even like LeBron, right? So, you know, there's, there's life with LeBron and then there's life without LeBron. So which one would you rather have, you know, as far as winning the championship? Exactly. And you know what? We get so dependent on those superstars. You know, I've, I've talked about this a couple of times about this, this superstar culture that we have in the sales department. But we this actually does exist in the back of the dealership as well. We we get these these superstar technicians. And I mean, and I've had some I mean, I've had some Obi-Wan Kenobis before, man. I'm telling you, I, like, mm-hmm. they, they put they put their hand on a hood and they go. Yep. Uh, third left cylinder. Uh, it's yeah. <laughs> and uh, missing every other fire. I'm like, how the hell did you just figure that out? Exactly. I'm like, yeah, exactly. like, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, but that's, but it, but to your point is, is when we have a superstar like that, we get so excited that we have a superstar like that, but we never think about or put a strategy in place about what happens when that superstar wants to retire. And I find this happen in the technician, you yeah. know, in the service department a lot. What, what if they decide they want to retire? Or what if they even injure themselves? Look, it happens. <laughs> yeah, know? oh, yeah. You know, any, oh, yeah. when you're working with your hands and something, I, I had this happen once before. I, I I had my my master technician go on a snowmobile trip, and mm-hmm. he busted his hand. And he was out for four weeks, couldn't turn wrenches for four weeks. Uh, and the, oh, funny, the, the funny thing was, I was super worried about this, but by him 
training and overseeing and sticking with the rest of the team after what I saw at the end of the four weeks was actually a much stronger team. So even right. when even when he came, like it was it it, it was good, it was bad. We didn't lose anything, right? But you know, to to your point is that you know we need to focus on the team, not necessarily just the superstars. Like we we need to always constantly be creating and generating those superstars. Because honestly, I don't think you can find them anymore. Like they don't really. It's exist, it's tough, right? It's tough. It it, it is really tough. Um, you know, there's a variety of different reasons why that is. Um, and there's a bunch of different people that are probably much more smarter than me that, 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 that have that reason as to why the superstars are hard to find. Um, but, but yeah, it, it is general, tough to find superstars. Well, we have to create them and I, I'm with you, right? I think any dealership out there that doesn't have a culture or a strategy around growth and development, uh, with their technicians, they will ultimately lose. And they're the ones that, you know, the, the fluctuate in, not only service dollars, but they'll also fluctuate in just overall customer experience. Yep. So yep, you know, it's all tied together. hundred percent. And, and that kind of seems to be kind of the overall theme of our, our conversation today is like, look, guys, this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. Okay. Like we understand that. Yeah, yes. We have that 30 day sprint that we're measured on based on the gross profit and the net profit that we bring right, to the dealership exactly. and how much of their expenses we absorbed every single month. All right. But, but, but at the end of the day, we have to future proof our business, you know, some of the best businesses out there are the most boring businesses, right? And that's because you yeah, have the true. strategies in place. You know, in our industry, we, we're kind of chaos junkies, you know? Like, we almost want, we, <laughs> we, we kind of just, we want to, like, you know, if, if, if the house isn't burning down, sometimes we have If there's to no home. drama, it ain't fun, bro. Right? If it's no drama, yeah. you don't have, it's, it's, it's no fun. But actually, that kind of is our ultimate goal. And that should be, you know, a, a boring, consistent highly executing, you know, service department is what you're looking for both on the service sales and on the technician side. And, you know, we just got to make sure that we put the strategies in place with this. Um, Squire, we've had some amazing conversations today. I know we're getting towards the tail end of our topics. Um, for everyone out there watching and listening right now who uh, may want to connect with you and maybe even continue some of these great conversations that we've started today, what's, what's the best way to do so? So I am on LinkedIn. Um, SM Pettis JR is my information. That's the easiest way to reach me. Um, I'm, I'm always on there, always willing to accept a connection and always willing to communicate with anybody in the automobile industry. Um, I belong to a different um, variety of, of different groups, you know, the, the after sales group, the automotive sales group. Um, I'm actually also a member of the automotive rental car group. We have a uh, rental car group that for those of us that have worked in a rental car industry. So that's the easiest way to reach me. Um, always available there. Um, so if you want to look out for me, it's uh, linkedin.com S M Pettis, my last name, uh, J R. Awesome. Awesome, man. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a lot of fun. Hey, you have yourself an amazing day. You too, my brother. Appreciate it. And we'll talk again. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy with Jason podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at strategywithjason.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.